Welcome to Rap in Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. Welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Torian B. How you feeling today, sir? I'm feeling good, man. Good? We, having a, we had a pretty interesting week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got new music. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited about that. Spring is here. Spring is we're we're less than 30 days away. I counted the other day. Spring is here. Yeah. Um, we're very we're 40 days away from WrestleMania. So you know. Oh yeah. That yeah yeah yeah. Um, as today's recording today was Elimination Chamber in Australia. Great production. Shout out to Triple H. That was good. How you feeling about um? How you feeling about the whole Rock and Cody thing right now? Uh, at first it was confusing, but I mean, in wrestling, like, you know, you have to like, just pivot. You, have to, you have to pivot things. So I think that they, they, they were trying to find the footing and obviously the rock is like the biggest star that they can get. Well, he is, he's the biggest star like that could actively still wrestle. Stone Cold Steve Austin can't wrestle. Hulk Hogan damn sure can't wrestle. Bad. Yeah. And like, you know, they, they want to compete with events like the Super Bowl and NBA finals and the, and the MLB World Series and, I, mm. and the Stanley Cup. I know that sounds like very like that. That sounds very ambitious, but like that's. I mean, that's hey, the goal. That's right? the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and they just made this big deal with uh, Endeavor TKO. So, they, you know, they had to make like the biggest play possible. But like, uh, through the strength of the fans, the fans kind of basically said like, "We just cool with the Rock just showing up." Like, yeah. No, nigga, like Cody has a story. Mm-hmm. Like, and Rock came in and he's just doing his thing. So, what I found interesting though is that. Like you said, The Rock is like a really, really big commodity. So like him coming is kind of throwing things off a little bit because the fans are happy, but it's like he don't want them to be because he's supposed to be the hill. Right. So even in the crowd work, they'll be cheering him on and then he'll insult somebody to try to get them to right. boo him. Because it's because it's like the fans, we love The Rock, but we just, yeah. like, bro, just chill. Like, yeah, yeah. we wanted you to fight Roman like two, like a year ago, two years ago. Like, it'll be easy because the thing is, is that we we all know wrestling is scripted, right? It's predetermined, but we want we we don't we don't want to like be in on it that much. Yeah. So if the Rock comes in and beats Roman Reigns, we know that he ain't gonna like be around for much longer. Roman Reigns is barely there as it is. Mm-hmm. So you know we just want to. Like, and Roman feel- Roman has had the title for how long now? It's been it'll be four years. Yeah, like, almost. I, I like soon. So yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like yo, like. Just let let these let these two dudes finish this shit, Rock, and you can come and do your match, and we know you're gonna leave and go and do all the twenty million. Yeah, and he's gonna and he's gonna leave with the belt. Yeah, so niggas know that he's not just gonna show up to lose. Yeah, so it's like it's we just you know it's just little integral things that the fans want. But the Rock, I I think that the Rock turning heel, that's a bad guy for those who are in the know. Mm I actually think it's great. I thought it was pretty dope how he kind of combined two eras. Like he combined the Versace shirt wearing rock with the leather vest, um, Hollywood rock. Yeah. Combined both of them and, you know, had on the Versace vest. Yeah. I thought that was dope. But the rock got to find his footing though, because, um, I just thought he 
turned it into a vest because his arms are too fucking big now. Yeah. <laughs> that's literally that was my first thought. That's that's a possibility yeah. too. But my my one problem, and I think a lot of fans' problem is, is that like the Rock, you know, he's known for like his mic skills. But like now, like he's very rusty and it's like apparent. But like you would think he would just be able to turn it on like that. Yeah. But like even like when he's going through like his stuff, it's just like, damn, that was kind of corny. Yeah. And it's like throwing people off. And it's funny because seeing like casual fans be like, oh, shit, The Rock is on. Like they watch it because they love The Rock. They're Mm -hmm. like, I watch anything with The Rock. And like seeing him kind of like. Shake the cobwebs off. Yeah, and it's sometimes it's kind of like painful, but like I guess him being a full on heel is helpful because he can just throw out insults. And he can mm-hmm. just stay random, funny. Yeah, like the like the um, shut up before I slap the herpes off your lip. That shit, yeah. that shit was funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like you know, calling saying that in Utah everybody are inbreeders. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, like things like that. So that makes it yeah. So that's that's what's going on with that. I'm going to Philly for WrestleMania 40. Me and my girl Sarah, like we have, like the, that whole weekend is like set. It's I'm probably gonna come back like extremely tired. Like yeah. I, I'm not. No, not probably. I am. When it when and when is this again? April the weekend of April the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Okay. Okay. So that's that, right? Yeah. But um, let's talk about music right now. Mm-hmm. J Cole gave us a teaser, and he let us know that the fall off is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the snippet, he's rapping, and he said that he alluded to the fact that this project would be like if Jay-Z dropped Reasonable Doubt Lab. That was a good line. That was, that a good was line. right? Raises the stakes. It raises the stakes, but it puts him that, I mean, I'm not mad at it. It just sets his, the expectations. Like that's, that's where you want it, though. That's where you want it. Yeah. Especially if it's your last album, Yeah, like he says it is. And I believe him. I believe that it's his last album. I don't. Um, But... When you said like Ric Flair, bro, that's true. But I think I think with Cole, Cole is such a recluse in a sense that like, I just believe him when he says like, yeah, nah, this is my last shit. I don't, and we probably not gonna see him no rappers more. Rappers and wrestlers are very much alike. Rappers, wrestlers be saying they retire, and next thing you know, they come out, and they do something, they come, yeah, take some kind of bump. Because it's like even as recluse as he is, I was surprised that he's on tour with Drake, like the biggest fucking rap star that we that, have that was all about it that was it's by design that's yeah and his leading is perfect uh segue into him and his album coming out yeah so i get it i have so i have i have thoughts um i've come to the realization that and some people might say this is black but i come to the realization that drake and kendrick kind of like have like plateaued and not because like they can't get better but out of border they've reached heights and got recognition to the point where, like, they just, like, now, like, they're bored with rap. Mm-hmm. So you can, when you listen to the albums, like, obviously, like, they rap, but, like, they don't give us, they're, like, artistically, they, they want to be challenged. They want to mm-hmm. do something different, right? Mm-hmm. What is crazy is, is that J. Cole is still hungry, and because, like, the way he came into the rap game, like, you know, he was kind of, like, always, like, overlooked, even though, like, his fan base is extremely loyal mm-hmm. to him, but J. Cole has only gotten better and hungrier as a rapper and it's worked in his favor. Yeah. Because now arguably of the three, you can argue that he's the best of the three. Yeah. And I remember even a few months ago, I was, um, we had that topic and I think it was with Quincy shout out to Quincy. And we were naming the best rapper of the three between, um, Drake, Kendrick and Cole, yes. which is like the three headed monster. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was saying at that time frame that it was Kendrick because because of the capability and not because of the output. But can't really 
it's kind it kind of cancels each other out. You can't really rank the the credibility with the output when there's no output. And I think Cole has stayed like Cole, thanks to these. Um, and I was just bringing that up to walk back my my original point. I think Cole is the better rapper right now. Um, and I think he's found the fun in it because he's having fun chewing these young niggas up. That's yeah, the fun yeah, part. He's not. He's he basically hasn't put himself in an air where he's above it. Yeah, yeah. He's not above an asshole giving out an asshole. Mm-hmm. So it just made me like think, like, damn, like, wow, like, I like you know, we everybody used to make the jokes, yo, J Cole put you to sleep. He's Nyquil, this and that. He only raps about <laughs> losing his virginity. Everybody made the and, jokes, even Metro. Yeah, even Metro, <laughs> and like every and now everybody's like, yo, man, Cole is cold. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of like. It's like it's like uh how how do I say it? It's like uh Kendrick and Drake kind of like went to the league straight out of high school, where J. Cole went to college and was like a star player in college. And yeah, came into the league, paid his dues, and now he's becoming a man. Like everybody has like a different journey. It's just like uh in football, you have Rob Gronkowski who came into the NFL at twenty one, right? Mm-hmm. Had a great career with the Patriots, right? Recognized as one of the best tight ends of all time. Then you have Travis Kelsey who had, like, sort of, like, red shirt a couple seasons, and then he got drafted when he was 24. But they're the same age. So Travis Kelsey is still playing now, right? And is only going to get better, and he's on his third Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And what I'm just saying is, it's just that, like, you can be, you you guys can, like, take, like, different routes to get there. Some people, like, get it earlier, and some people get it later. Yeah. So I think with J. Cole right now, like, he's getting it later. And I also think, and I could be wrong, but I think that Drake and 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 Kendrick, you like, you know, they're both his friends. Mm-hmm. I think that they're okay with him having his moment. I think they're okay with that. Yeah, because they're they're in different places. Yeah, they're in they, different places. They're bored. They're bored. With, yeah, like Cole, like Cole is like gaining, but I also think that um, of them, like I think Kendrick has like grown. I think like he because of him traveling outside of Compton. Yeah, certain things just don't matter to him. That yeah, matter, and Drake and Drake, they're they're just on different level playing fields. Like. Drake can't be what Drake wants to be if he stayed in Cole's lane. Yeah, exactly. He just yeah. Drake, Drake is the biggest star, right? Of the, and of that's the what Drake. he wants. And that's what he wants. Yeah, right? and that's cool. J. Cole wants to be the deadliest MC. He wants he wants to be the boogeyman, mm-hmm. and I think that he's accomplishing that. And I think that with this project and the anticipation around it and how everybody reacts to it, yeah, I think that like he's getting he's finally getting his ju- his just due. Like he's finally. I remember the first time seeing J. Cole, he was on the cover of the Source magazine and it was when he got signed to Rock Nation and they were saying that he was next. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people like were giving him praise. Mark Pitts was his manager. Mark Pitts used to manage Biggie. It was like all of these things, like signing Jay-Z's label, managed by Biggie's old manager. Like it was just all of these things. He went to college in Queens from North Carolina, like everything. It was like this storybook, like kind of like thing for him. And do you think I'll ask you this before we move on? Do you think um do you think Jay-Z has any regret for not giving Cole the recognition that he deserved back then? I think that he does get Cole the recognition. I think he does it in private. I don't th- I think uh I don't think he regrets it because I think that he ha- he gives Cole a recognition. Even when uh for uh for Born Center when 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 J. Cole didn't win rap album of the year, um like Jay-Z told him like you already won, like you know, you got a number one record. Like I think that they have a very private relationship. I don't know why it's so private, mm-hmm. but I don't Compa- think especially compared to the other, um, the other artists that have been in the bubble of Jay-Z. I think, I think Jay-Z, I think Jay-Z didn't want to put that on him. Like Jay, but that's the thing though. Like 
Jay-Z has publicly, he has a close relationship with Meek. Publicly, he has a close relationship with like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like different people. So I would just imagine that he would want something like that. You know, I also think, and this might, I could be wrong, but I think that somebody like Meek kind of like is exciting to him. He's a street dude. And it's kind of like reminds him of his younger self, whereas like J. Cole, I think he just respects him as an artist and knows he's talented. And Jay is probably just like, yeah, when the time is right. And maybe this project is the time for them to like, you know what I'm saying? Finally, maybe he'll be on it. Right. That'll be cool. You know, I, I hope Ooh, that'd be crazy. Uh, what I hope I hope and, and I need to, I need J. Cole to run this sample back of Jay-Z being interviewed saying like, yo. The, the the person that's going to take me out is at home eating this bowl of cereal. Oh yeah, like you know, he J, did that. J, yeah, he already used J Cole already used he it. He did that. Yeah, but I need I need J Cole to run it back, mm -hmm. and like th like that be something like I I just, I just feel like it's in wrestling. We're going back to wrestling. It's called long long term booking. Yeah, be patient. Okay, I think I think I think we'll get the payoff. We're gonna see. We're gonna see how it goes. We're gonna see how it goes. Booking. But that would be crazy. Okay. Uh, but for a transition here, right? Well, unless you had something else. I had something else I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Beyonce venturing in the country. How do you mm -hmm. feel about that? So I know you're a big fan of country music. I'm not so much. I'm not I'm not a big country music fan. Um I like um I'm into storytelling, so I do get the, the storytelling aspect and how it can be great, right? But I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel. I know Beyonce is amazing at rollouts. So I want to see how she rolls this out. If Dolly Parton is part of this, that's going to be big. That's going to be really big. That, um, Do I think Dolly sent out a tweet or her handlers, whatever, sent out a tweet about her the other day about Beyonce. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I think it's great that she, she's, she, Beyonce's from the South. Country music is like in, 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 a thing from the South. Yeah. I, what I've learned, because I wanted to understand why there's backlash, right? Like, why do people feel this way? Because, and it's two reasons. One reason is, is that she's viewed from the country, from country music as a pop star. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like how we would look at it. We, country music is looking at Beyonce the way that we looked at Miley Cyrus. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, even though I'm aware that the talent levels are not the same. The talent levels are not the same. That's one. And two, I understand that black culture created country music. Mm -hmm. Like the banjo, like it w which is like a, a very like main part of country music is something that was created by black people. I'm aware of that. But unfortunately, white people took it over. So they feel like it's theirs. So Christopher Columbus shit. I get it. But they feel like Beyonce is stepping into their space, into the, into something that they have. And like, she's not, she doesn't care about the culture or she doesn't care about the tradition of country music. Right. So that's, that's what I've gathered. You think Keith Urban is at home? Like, man, this is fucking ridiculous. No, nah, not Keith Urban. It, you want to know what's funny? So to my understanding, it's not like country artists like Garth Brooks, Keith Urban, like, you know, uh, Reba McIntyre, uh, Shania Swain, like none of those artists really give a fuck. Like they, they're like, yo, we fuck with Beyonce. Like we respect her. Apparently the country music community is upset one because she performed with the Dixie chicks and the Dixie chicks, um, kind of said that everybody in country music is racist and they, and they didn't fuck with uh, George Bush, George Bush. Right. And like, they were like really mad about that because, you know, George Bush is like Jesus to Republicans and a lot of people in the South, you know, mm -hmm. Texas, all of that stuff. Good old boy. 
that's one thing. She performed with them in the Country Music Awards. And then two, a, a lot of people, for some for some odd reason, like they make everything a political thing and they feel mm-hmm. like because she endorsed Obama and like they're huge like supporters of the Democratic Party mm-hmm. that they feel like Beyonce's trying to sway voters with her music. And it's like, yo, it's not that deep. Like she just want to make a country album. Like she's not trying to get people to vote because they like her album. Yeah. So and hearing that, I just realized like there's just like a huge disconnect. There is. And like, I don't, and, and it's crazy because like, even if you say, yo, like she just want to make music, they're like, nah, you don't get it. There's an agenda. There's a secret agenda. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like it's, it's exhausting. And it's I mean, cool. even if there is, I don't think it's as simple as her just want to make music though. I think there's always something calculated and she has some type of agenda. I don't know what it is, but she went into this album rollout planning with three acts, yeah. right? First act, dance music. But it all connects to her lineage. So, like, I think the third act, there was a rumor that it would be rock. They said it would be a rock album or a Destiny Child album. I doubt it'd be Destiny Child. But I can see the we'll rock get, one. We'll get some. We'll get. We'll, I think we'll get. We're going to get something with her and the Destiny Child members. Yeah. I think so. We'll get like a song or two. Yeah. Um, I would, I would love to hear a rock album. Did you know? This is very enough. I'm sorry. I always do this, guys. Did you know that Mariah Carey has a rock album? <laughs> has never been released? Nah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I've been trying to find it on the internet for a while. It's like, uh, I'm trying to find it. Like, Interesting. But I wonder how that would sound. I'm cool with Beyonce making a rock album. I, I think, I like artists going into different genres. I'm cool with that. I think that a lot of people... It's hard to digest sometimes. I, I just feel like, yo, we get, like, as for artists that we get, like, a lot of music from, I'm not mad at it. Like, uh, when people like try to like go into like different, different modes and do things or whatever like that. I'm not mad. I'm never mad at it. I always think like, okay, maybe they got bored. Maybe they got bored with this. Like, I'm okay with it. And, and like, we don't know, like some people's, some people's like musical biology is like a lot, like runs a lot deeper than we know. And sometimes Mm -hmm. like, uh, they might just do like one thing. Like, uh, did you ever see the movie A Star is Born? Um, um. Well, was it Lady Gaga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember how like she started out like she was like a folk singer, but then she turns like a full on pop star. Mm-hmm. Like that happens. Like yeah. I think that sometimes artists get pigeonholed into making one kind of music, and like you should just be allowed to do yeah. whatever you want. So, I think I think there's a certain thing about that too, where it's like certain genres hit their ceiling, where it's like you can only do but so much. Right. So like that's why people like Usher are revered in the black community because. Yeah, he he did a couple dance tracks, but for the most part, he's predominantly R and B. So that's like where his that's where his pocket is. Um, I think with Beyonce, people tried to pigeonhole her and they wanted more R and B. Myself included. I like I love Beyonce in the R and B field, mm-hmm. but you know she's an artist. You know she's gonna try other shit. What do you think Bruno Mars's next era is gonna be? You know that nigga, he dips in and out. He's done like 70s. He's done 80s. He's done 90s. Jack Swain. Mm-hmm. I think, and he gets a lot of shit for that, too. And he should. Uh, I, <laughs> I think, I think uh, the next thing that he's going to go into. Hmm, uh, I, I guess like. You know, I think he's going to go back to doing like the whole like rockabilly shit. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like him going, I think he's going to go, go back to like 1960s, like kind of like music and shit like that. I think he's going to go, see, he's going back to his roots, his beginnings. Yeah. 
that's that's typically what they do. Yeah, back I, to the roots. I, I see that, but um, I like I said, I'm okay with artists doing something like different or like that's not what how they were introduced to us, whatever like that. As long mm-hmm. as it's good, like even um, as much shit as I gave Justin Timberlake. Even though, like, the only song that I do like on the project is with Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton. The fucking man. Mm-hmm. Right? But um, I, I do think that, like, you know, if you want to try something different, you should do it. Like, you're an artist. Like, you know, you're doing a lot. I just think that you just got to make sure it's good. And some artists, I think that they don't have, like, the proper guidance and everything like that. I hope that, like, Beyonce, if she's, like, doing this whole country music thing that, like, she works with who she wants to because I'm pretty sure she just sees people getting recognition and she's like, yo, this is bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, Mary J. Blige tried it, but like it kind of like went under the radar. But like, what she tried? The London session. She didn't try country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was just all of Adele's producers. Yeah. She was living in London at the time. And she worked with all of Adele's producers. Mm-hmm. Remember, I did an album review on that. Yeah. Album. Yeah. Bro. And it, it was funny because apparently like it got leaked like the entire album. Nobody even talked about mm-hmm. it. And that's how I heard it early. And then I realized like, oh shit, this album's not even out yet. Yeah. Right. It was like a whole clusterfuck, but long story yeah. short, she stepped into, she, it wasn't even her stepping into another genre because basically like artists from London pretty much make soul music. Mm-hmm. Her, Sam Smith, as she ring, like, but it was her, it was considered her stepping into another genre. She worked with these producers and it did nothing. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like, yo, where, where's the difference? But she was smart to call it the London Sessions because it detaches it from everything else. Right. It does. But I'll be honest with you, I fucking love the London Sessions. Yes. I might have to revisit that. Yeah, bro. Like it's just it's just something that I just think about. Like artists, yeah. artists sometimes aren't even given the ability to like just do something and else. just try shit. No, let me look. Fuck that. Black artists. Black artists are not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm 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 not I'm gonna keep this short because I'm not gonna keep going on and on. But this is why Kanye West like goes so hard to like not be pigeonholed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I want to make it long, but that he that's. That, there's a reason why he goes so hard to like not con- continuously give us the rap album that we all want. Mm-hmm. Say we want the old content. Yeah, he just tries different shit. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. We can get. So you want to get into the album? Or you yeah, let's get into the album. Okay. So speaking of artists that that kind of vent, that venture into different pockets to try different things, um, this this MC that we're getting into today, um. He was 17 years old when this album came out, mixtape rather. Um, so, and when this came out, I remember specifically how everyone felt about it. It was like, man, this is crazy. This is great. And everybody was giving him credit because he's 17 years old and he's tapping into a time that he wasn't even around for. Right. Fully. He wasn't born until 96. Yeah. Um, but he brought so much of this throwback feel and it felt authentic to him. And um, we're talking about Joey Badass. Joey Badass and his debut mixtape, 1999. It was released June 12th, 2012. 1999 is a debut mixtape. Features production from Chuck Strangers, Lewis Parker, Lord Finesse, MF Doom, Jay Dilla, and much more. I'm going to play the integral part in Joey's rise to, as an MC. It was one of the most praised releases of the 2010s. Though he's consistently released quality project, this one still has yet to be overshadowed by a lot of... um. A lot of his listeners still champion this and, you know, give him recognition for how far he's came as a rapper now and as an actor now. Um, do you remember when this album came out and were you one of the first to champion it or how'd you discover this one? When it first came out, um, I kept hearing about Pro Era and the Beast Coast 
And like, I was just like, I was like, all right, let me check it out. I love boom bap rap. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just checked it out and I was like blown away, like at how, how he was able to, cause you know, a lot of people try to like bring, bring the nostalgia back or like revisit shit and it doesn't sound good, but it sounded fresh, even though like, you know, it was pretty much like the sounds that like I grew up, like really enjoying and like my introduction to hip hop. So I was just really impressed with that. And I really was like curious to see like how he was going to keep that going. Like, was he going to make his thing? Yo, everything is going to be about the nineties or like, keep trying to like recreate that because you know, that's kind of like pigeon. It's a very small box. It's a very small box. Yeah. But I appreciated that. Like, yo, he was so young and he was just so like immersed in it. And mm-hmm. like, you, you could tell like he knew his, his, his his history mm-hmm. and you know that's why i like it but also then like i kind of like related to him a lot because like his mom he had a young mom mm-hmm. and lo and behold his mom went to fucking school with most deaf and like and and tyler Kweli in brooklyn so you know like it, it was just kind of like in him yeah and and i just think that you know learning about them i was just like where the fuck did they come from because it it, it, it kind of seemed like joey badass just like you just heard about him. Mm-hmm. Like, at first, like, there was no music. Yeah. Like, it was just like, everybody just kept telling us how big of a deal Joey Badass was. And at this time, I was working at Soho and I was working at Club Monaco. And, like, I just couldn't, I was like, yo, what in the hell? Actually, no, I just stopped working at Club Monaco. Yeah. I just stopped working. James quit. And I... Shout out to got, Jamesy. Shout out, shout out to Jamesy. Jamesy quit because he wouldn't, they wouldn't give him the day off to go to, uh, to Brunch Bounce. And I convinced them <laughs> to let me go so I could still get unemployed. Yeah, fucking, yeah, yeah. Fucking dope. Yeah. Right? Damn, I remember that time frame. So, man. uh, Crazy. when that, <laughs> when that, when this project dropped, I was just kind of like, where the fuck did he come from? And I know he wasn't an industry plant, but it was like, he was already, he had the stamp. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was fucking with him and they were saying like, yo, this kid is next. And on top of that, he was 17. So he was getting Nas comparisons. Mm-hmm. He had the lyrical ability. He had the producers like, it it was kind of like a no brainer, and I and I was just thinking to myself like, yo, like with like, what's going to come? Because you know we also had other artists like on the horizon at that time. Like, um, Good Kid, Mad City came out this year. This year, yeah, right, October this year, right. So it was just I was just like very like curious to see because there was such a boom of like new music and everything like that. And then like I found myself comparing like uh Beast Coast to Our Future and ASAP Mob. Mm-hmm. And like trying to see like, oh shit, like which crew is going to like. Bro, and rap crews. Yeah, rap crews was a really big thing around this time. Yeah. Like it was a resurgence of rap crews. You had ASAP Mob, you had Pro Era, you had uh, Future. Like all these niggas that like just clicked up, you know, in a way that we hadn't seen in a while. It was something, it was something special. Like I was like overwhelmed, but I was in a good way. Like happy mm-hmm. that we just mm-hmm. had so much music. We had a lot of shit. Um, And I think... I think what made Pro Era, Pro Era is still a bit of a mystery. I think a crew like this deserves a documentary because I think it, it's a lot of shit that people just know offhandedly, but it's, a lot of it is credited to, um, to Steve's rest in peace. Right. Um, and a lot of people don't really know much about this crew. People know Joey Badass, but it's like they're forgetting his roots. Right. And it's funny because remember when Barack Obama's daughter was repping pro era because like she was a huge fan of them and she was like on that kind of time that kind of like catapulted them into like the next strategy mm-hmm. like that like kind of like pushed them further mm-hmm. and i think the reason why we didn't get to like no like 
Joey was kind of like the shining star, right? Like that the labels wanted. And they they signed all of them, gave them deals, but I think that Capital Steves was like the they, like Pro Era was his brainchild. Yeah. And I think he he was kind of in that ASAP Yams role. I was just gonna say like, that, yeah. He could rap really well. ASAP really Yams, well. the RZA kind of realm, but like he he was like the mastermind of the group and mm-hmm. he was the best rapper mm-hmm. or MC that some people He was showing, yeah, he was showing Joey how to how to approach different beats and right. like how to rap on certain shit. Right, exactly. And and I and I don't think that Joey out raps him on any songs that are on together either. No. Um I he fucking bodied him on um Survival tactics. Yeah, survival tactics. Yeah, he outwrapped him. But I think, and here's my theory. I think that Capital Steez was very advanced at their age, but I felt that uh, it was kind of like with Abso, where he was too smart for his own good, and I don't think that they could get him to dumb down what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Versus with Joey, he was a little bit more marketable and easy to easier to you know ask hey joe you mind rapping about girls on this track yeah 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 he was e- easier to like i don't want to say control yeah like control but yeah like, just be like hey the label needs a love song mm-hmm. the label needs this like i don't think capital steve's yeah would be that would be the person that would be like oh sure i think he would have been like no that's not the message that's not yeah you know? like he was more militant with what he was trying mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. get to the masses and i think that he took everything like very very personally and like he was very in tune with things and yeah. I think like you know he's just one of those people like you can't you kind of can't mess with what they're trying with, with what that person is trying to do mm-hmm. and, you know with that being said I think after Steve's unfortunately passed away I think that a lot of things that was like on the horizon like Steve's was the only person that kind of like had the blueprint to get them further and the label really only cared about Joey. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like that's anybody's fault. Like that labels is just fucking shitty like that. And I think that's kind of like why. Like I think Joey tries his hardest to like, you know, do for his crew and everything like that. Like put them on his projects. But without the coach, you know. Yeah. And for the most part, that's how it goes in rap crews. Like rap crews get signed. Mm-hmm. But there's always one person that they're paying attention to. Yeah. Like in the rap crew where it's like, all right. We're going to sign all of y'all because we see there's a there's a loyalty thing between y'all. But it's only going to be one of y'all niggas that we're going to hone in on, you know? Right. Exactly. Like it just and it happens in so many different ways. But, you know, that's that's where like that's just how the how the shit happens, man. I'm, I, I, like, I literally just sat here and tried to like think like of like a rap crew where like things worked out. I don't know the juice crews. uh <laughs> I don't know the Juice Crew's like inner workings of when they were signed, but like the Juice Crew is the only rap crew that I that that comes to mind for me. Oh, the the Dungeon Family a little bit, mm-hmm. but I, I I think that uh the Juice Crew and that was in the fucking nineteen eighties. I don't know, yeah. they, I don't know if they all have one deal on on one label, but I know that they were a crew and they have multiple people that were successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's crews that have like dispersed and they still seem like they're cool they just doing other shit like our future our future seem okay. like they still cool. our future, okay our future work no, mm-hmm. and, and they and like most people are successful and then um i just thought about it dungeon family is one uh does rough, rough riders i mean well yeah they were crew and a label or whatever like that right so rough riders counts because like you know x the locks e mm-hmm. had like their success like, e, even even Dragon had Dragon had, had yeah had his own success in a way infrared went on to be like a, a prolific like ghost writer mm-hmm um, really quick. Speaking of uh, 
Damn, who did Joey? Damn, it just left me and I didn't write it down. Joey Badass ghost wrote for somebody and like it was actually like a really big deal. Now I gotta Google it. While I Google it, Reds, tell us more about the album. Yeah, so um, so like I said, this album came out and I think I was watching an interview actually recently with him and Rob Markman, and he was taught Rob asked him, um, he was like, Yo, like you were you afraid? Cause this was six years removed from this coming out. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, were you afraid of like being pigeonholed of like having this specific sound? I heard that. And he was like, nah, like I, I actually really fucked with that. I like that idea, but it's not until you try to grow as an artist that they try to harken back to how you were introduced. Right. So he didn't really feel it till later. I yeah. thought that was interesting cause he didn't he, see it. He was 17 years old. Yeah. And so you don't think outside of that. And then you realize, like, wait a second, like, so I can't, like, make an album like Mac Miller or, like, this out artist, like, they, you still want me to do, like, you know, like, even, like, and it, everything that he did was very intentional, like, the mm-hmm. colors, like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, they use, like, the, 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 uh, the, the pants, African colors, mm-hmm. like, for his, um, for his logo and everything like that. Like, it's just, yeah, like, it was very, like, New York centric things that they did. Mm-hmm. And, um, I found so he co-wrote Rock Soul Rock um, Post Malone. Oh, so that's bread. He's yeah. set for life. That's yeah. like a diamond song. Yeah, man. Yeah. He co. He, so you got to think about it. Like he's he's a a Grammy winner. He um he was in um in an, winner, Oscar short. Yeah, for short. So like he's like he's very like I know a lot of people think that Joey Badass is like quiet. They like yo like like his music success isn't there. But like no, like he's kind of like the man. Mm-hmm. Like he's the man. Like you go. To, he was on the show Bad Robot. Like great, got great reviews and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That Oscar short that he that he won for that that I don't think like he that he was a part of the yeah he's like a, he's a part of an Oscar winning um short that was on Netflix right and then um you know he's on Power and and I think he has like another project that's kind of like really like revered mm-hmm. but I just think that like Joey Badass is kind of like you know. I, like it's not as like vocalized but like he kind of like is like up there like with tyler as far as like getting like his recognition behind the scenes and getting yeah attention. yeah I, I agree um so for the album the album kicks off or mixtape however you want to reference it but it kicks off with summer nights um which is a really great opener um i liked it a lot but what i thought was interesting he said this was actually the hardest song to write for him really yeah because he it was the last song he did so he did the whole album and then he realized he didn't have a song that he was comfortable with opening it mm-hmm. and um he was like all right i need to actually record a song that's going to be the intro and so that's how he came up with this song okay yeah and I, I think that this was an amazing intro for the album mm-hmm. um i think that like you know new york city summers are like some of like of like lore i think that like if, if you've had the pleasure to spend a summer in new york city like you are like blessed like you like it's like a special club to like be in mm-hmm. so when i heard this even back in 2012 i was like damn like this shit could have been on corn like on the score for like the the movie kids yeah like that's kind of like the the feeling that i got and i've always especially like, if you're listening to this looking at the album cover like yeah. it just feels it just feels that way yeah. it, feels, it feels like uh like zoo york supreme like just like you know, um, it just feels New York. Mm-hmm. It just feels like New York. Like and, and of those like '90s kids, like where it's like they like skateboard, but like they'll still like rob you and shit. Like it's just one of those kind of things. And I really like enjoyed this opener, and 
it, it was very intentional. And I'm glad that like he actually took his time to like make sure that like the first thing that we heard on this on this mixtape was this was this track. Mm-hmm. Very smart. Yeah. Carries into waves, which is um which is some will recognize that uh J. Cole used the same beat for False Prophets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for False Prophets it was. Really like this song. Uh um Joey actually borrowed it from Freddie Jochen. Mm-hmm. And that song came out maybe a year before this. So it's been kind of handed down three times. And they all used it in different ways, which is really fly. Smart. Um his flow toward the end, he says some shit. He goes, uh, I'm hopeful that me spitting is soulful will have me in a daily postal, flying coastal, eating tofu. It was just it just flow. It's such a 90s flow. So you know? I have thoughts. Yeah. The wordplay on this at 17 years old, bro. Like, I think I think that's like a a, a perfect a perfect kind of like marriage for for a lot of black rappers, right? You got Nas, you got Earl Sweatshirt, where um in the recording process, like you're 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 probably you, your your imagination is probably at like its biggest, yeah. Because like you know you haven't like entered the real world yet. Like I know that Nas had a very like real world life living mm-hmm. growing up Queensbridge, but you get what I'm saying. Like yeah, it's kind of like you're still kind of like innocent thing. Like you haven't heard know that much. Like you know, even if like you grow up poor, like you still have like an imagination because like the real world hasn't hit yet. Mm-hmm. So being 17 is like a very unique spot because it's like you're 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 grown enough to like do a lot of things on your own, but you're also not. You're not the legal drinking age or right. drinking age. Like right. certain things you just you can't do, and it just adult like your 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 innocence isn't sucked away from you mm-hmm. as an adult. Mm-hmm. So I think that like you know, there's there's a significance to Joey being so lyrically advanced at a young age. Yeah, and it's like he really was able to like tap into his creativity and get down with the wordplay and storytelling and things like that. Because there's certain points on this album where like you're like yo this dude is really advanced and like, he's very like aware of the world. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain parts where he's just like, yo, he's fucking immature. Yeah. Like he just, 17. He an, yeah, he's just fucking 17. Yeah. I, like when we get to the track, like I'll, I'll say like what I mean by that, but it's very, it's very funny to, to think about it that way. I, I know the one you're talking about too. Um, cause I think I wrote notes for that one, but, um, but yes, yeah, that song is amazing. And it leads into from the tombs, Super 1992 referencing. Like, it sounds like 1992. It sounds like a fucking Wu-Tang B-side. Yeah. Like, Method Man would have bodied this. Again, I got, I got, I got, I got if, the way I describe it is if RZA produced a track for a tropical quest. Oh, that's, that's actually a perfect, perfect, perfect analogy. And um, Scratches from Static Select on here. It's just great, man. He he used everybody to their highest potential on here, mm-hmm. so far at least. Mm-hmm. And then you get into survival tactics. First track with Steez, not the last. Um, rest in peace to Steez. Um Steez actually, I, I was reading in an interview, he found he's the one that found his beat. Found his beat, gave it to Joey. Joey bodied it. Um, he told him how he should approach it. And then Steez actually recorded his verse in one take. Yeah. Yeah. Man, like, and 
you know, Joey, there's, a, there's another interview where Joey said that he always was a leader until he met Steve's. And he said that he was comfortable being led by Capital Steve's because mm. he was such a good leader. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about, because it's like, if you watch Joey Badass, you can tell he's very headstrong, very sure of himself, very mm-hmm. confident man. And for him to, like, see so much in Capital Steve's and say, like, yo, this this dude right here is somebody that I could follow and he can lead me to the promised land, which That's he did. Like, is, and, yeah. and, and you got to think about it. Like all of this shit, like kind of like happened for them, like fairly quickly. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I think they met when they was like 15. Yeah. High school. They were 17. Yeah. They were fucking rap. Rap. Mm-hmm. like, yeah. Um, they had, they had a, they had a dope setup for sure. Oh, and this is, yeah, this is actually an old doom beat, um, that, that they use. Yo, bro, that's another thing. Like mm-hmm. sometimes like I, I, I wonder like, yo, if I was a nice enough rapper, I could get a fucking MF Doom beat. Yeah. On mixtape. Right. I'm- this is so this one, but this one isn't an original. It's a it's a it's from an old Doom song called Monkey Soup. Um so even still. Yeah. I and Steve and I hit him up like season the fucking decision. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck are you? Um, I feel like I guess in my imagination, it's just like Doom probably heard what they did on it and was like, Yeah, 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 y'all can rock with that. <laughs> like, yeah, I killed that. Um and then yeah, yeah, man, it's crazy. And and Steez is the one that put Joey on to Doom, right? Yeah, he put him on to Doom, right? He put him on to Doom. He put him on the numerology. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of things that like Steez was into because even like their logo, it looked like a swastika, but it was it was just like the number. What was his favorite number again? Forty seven. So oh. forty seven over and over again looks like a swastika. But anyway, he turned it to forty seven. Yeah, huh? That's fly. You know, like that was his favorite number, like. So that, that, that was like, uh, it was like a whole bunch of like eerie stuff around his death with that mm-hmm. as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he doubles up with Steve's again, Columinati. Smart. And yeah, produced by knowledge. I think we, you want to know what's funny? I think we all went through a period of going through like, uh, conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Because like, I heard it and, and like, I saw the name and I was just like, oh man, I remember uh, when I like was uh like learning about the Illuminati and all of that stuff and and just trying to find out uh what like find out like if there's really like secret societies or stuff like that like of, of the world and everything like that. So when I saw the name, I was just like, hmm, interesting. Okay, I was I just wanted to Google to make sure I got number forty seven right. Oh yes, yeah. Steve was infatuated with the number forty seven and what it meant spiritually. Believe that forty seven was the perfect expression of balance in the world. Represented the tension between the heart and the brain. Mm. Fourth and seventh chakra, respectively. Mm. Yeah, he was into chakras. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, he was very deep into that. And like Joey Badass has it like tattooed on him big as hell. Oh, the number 47? Yeah, I think it's like on his ribs. Like he, because it was his first tattoo he ever got. So I, I think he got like tattooed like on his ribs or some shit like that. Wow. But, um, yeah, like that, like numerology was like a big thing. And like, mind you, like you see how everybody reacts to like Kanye doing shit like that. Mm-hmm. Their logo looked like a fucking swastika. Yeah, 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 yeah. To get, but they said it was, it got people to ask like, yo, is that? And like, yeah. it was number 47. Like, it, it, and he it, could put them on. Yeah. Like, that's how. It was. Interesting. Um, But yeah, the Steez and Joey go back and forth on this Columinati track and it's amazing. The competitive energy is dope. Um, I think. Steez even kicks off one of his verses saying something like, yo, you lucky I didn't go first type shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, competitive energy was there, man. It, it's really great hearing them together right. like this. And it's, yeah, it is it is great and it makes and it makes me sad mm-hmm. because I'm just like, damn, like this, this guy was like this great artist and 
I really got the I really got like the vibes that like it, it, Capital Steve's reminds me of an East Coast version of Absol. And I really, really got that from him. And I'm just like, damn, man, like if he if he could have just I wish he was still here with us because like if he could have just like spoke to the right person, something like that. Mm-hmm. And like got a little bit further, man. Cause yeah. he was a very talented. He was, man. Like he was very like he was just like far beyond his years, man. Like just very far beyond his years. But also, as Joey has said in interviews, like they did like a lot of drugs early on that they had access to because they were kids. And it's really funny because uh my my little brother, my little brother, my stepbrother, little Gavin, like he told me that like, yeah, like there was like a lot of experimenting. And I was like, yo. When I was in high school, like, I didn't even think about none of this mm-hmm. shit. But it's like, I think that as generations came you're more, behind you're, us. Yeah, you're they, exposed to things a lot faster. Yeah, so it was just certain things that, like, they would, like, that, you know, kids just were like, fuck it, I'm going to try it, or I'm going to do it. And it's just like, me, I, like, when I was in high school, all I wanted to do was play basketball. Like, I was <laughs> be, bro. Like, when I hear, like, these kids talking about all the drugs that, they, that they've done by a certain age and shit mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. I'm just always like, damn. Yeah. Um, elsewhere on here, let's see. Okay. I don't want to skip over Penny Royal. Penny Royal is, it's a joint about heartbreak. It's another doom instrumental that he used. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Penny Royal is, is one of the songs where I was just like, all right, he don't know shit about shit. Mm-hmm. 17 years old. He's talking about like heartbreak and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, I appreciated like the attempt and he did a really good job as far as a 17-year-old could do. Yeah. It sounded like his flow was a little reminiscent of Eminem on here. Yeah. Like, it sounded like some, like, old, like, Slim Shady type shit. Trying, yeah, trying. Yeah. Um, I just, like I said, I just felt like, ah, like, I just, that, like, that was, that was a lot of the low points, like, when he, like, talking about, like, women Mm -hmm. on this project, because I was just like, he experienced life yet, and I know, like, the amount of a 17-year-old boy talking about women is just, like, it's just something I'm not interested in hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know shit about shit. Yeah. like You ain't even been there yet. Yeah, so it was just like, like, I I just, like, turned me off. Mm. What would you think about um, Funky Hoes? Because that follows it. (laughs) Because it's like, you know, you follow follow a song talking about heartbreak and all of this, um, and you being vulnerable and then you transition to funky hoes and it's like, yo, yeah, fuck it. That's that's like a way to transition from heartache, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, a 17 year old making a track about what, mm-hmm. you know, they like. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm like, and, and, it's, and this is like me being older. Like when I like when I heard it in 2012, I didn't even think none of this stuff. But listening to it now, 37 year old, I'm like. Yeah, man. I, I cringe. Yeah, we're way we're way past this now. Yeah. And then you got um daily routine, which is like one of my highlights on here. I really like. Um, I watched the interview that he did, and he said that this was a song. This is the first song that he did that he didn't write anything down for. And you know, that's like the folklore that a lot of rappers do. It's just like, yeah, I didn't write anything. Like I had to. I just kind of thought about this this song. Um, but. Needless to say, the flow is effortless. The scheme is great. The chorus is amazing. It's a good song. Daily Routine is a strong song. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. All right. So Daily Routine is a song that like I don't if I listen to this project, like I skip over it because I like it's such like a. Uh, I don't know. Like, is it, like I'm I just don't like I listen to it to remind myself of how good he is, but I don't listen to it like for enjoyment. Interesting. Okay. Okay, listen to it with a skill. Yeah, 
right. Um, elsewhere, you got Snake Snakes, which is an old Dilla beat. Um, introspective look or, on like over, overcoming the temptations and like remaining focused and staying on the right path and. You know, Joey's big on that. Yeah. Like he's huge on like that. And like, even like how he deals with women. And I think like, that's like, as to another level of like why women love him so much. Yeah. 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 All the discipline that he shows and restraint mm-hmm. that he shows with women and stuff like he that. He practices, um, what's that shit called again? Where you. The nigga where, don't nut. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's what that is. Like you, fu- you fucking and you like, oh yeah. Semen retention. Yeah. I think that is what it's called. Um, you fucking and you like when you about to get there, you like, all right, yeah, we done yeah. type shit, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, that's he's basically doing you, you uh, remember the episode of Seinfeld where George didn't didn't come and he got smarter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Joey's doing Bruh. And, and it's like a control thing over women. <laughs> that's that that's you 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 got that, Blair. I I, I can't. Uh you got that. Yo, man, and it's so funny I'm not there. uh as kids, like, you know, people will always, like, make jokes, like, yo, dude is backed up, he's mad strong. <laughs> yeah. So, right? Like, yo, Joey, Joey probably didn't hear them jokes. <laughs> like, bro. Bro. And, yo, have you seen his girl? Yeah, uh, yeah, follow <laughs> Oh, my God. Ugh. How could you not? All right, I mean, well. Yeah. Hey, hey man. Hey. hey. <laughs> you know. Um. Oh, so yeah, uh, snakes follows up. Uh, well, don't front follow follow snakes. I really and you can't make an ode to the nineties without doing a like, I doing would. like a song like this. Yeah, I can hear Wale on this. Absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoy Don't Front mm-hmm. like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Like Don't Front is like a song that I might just play just because you know just to, to 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 zone out. Yeah. Um, but then elsewhere, Righteous Mind is a great cleansing palette. Um, you got like the balance of like good and evil on it. Um, you got some other like classic instrumentals that he borrows from here. He borrows Dilla, he borrows from Dilla on here a few times. And where it's at is another one. Third eye, third eye shit, suspect, which is that's so that closes it out. And fun, funny enough, I was thinking when I was listening back, I'm like, yo, this never comes up in crew songs. When we talk about crew songs, this doesn't come up. I don't know why. Good. I think it doesn't come up because like pro era they didn't really they didn't really progress to like go anywhere. Yeah, there's like, no distinction because, in pro era. Because like, uh, like like uh well you got pro era and then you got the Beast Coats, right? Mm-hmm. And like it's crazy because like Flatbush Zombies is a part of that group mm-hmm. and and that collective. And it's just like a thing where it's like they kind of just all went their separate ways. And you know, basically the glue was Steve's and he didn't, he wasn't around long enough. Cause you think about it, like with ASAP mob since Yams has passed away, they're kind of separated as well. Mm. I just think that like at certain points, like there are certain people that's like the glue that kind of keeps everybody together. And when that, that person is removed, then everybody kind of just has like no reason to like stick together. Just stick together. Yeah. They were looks. Yeah. But that's true. I just, I just think that's the truth. Like, cause I think if Steve's would have stayed around a little bit longer, well, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot longer, mm-hmm. um, I think that it will get recognized. But I, I'm definitely going to bring this up in Posse Cuts now. Yeah. Just just for because it's like fresh memory, I'm just going to keep it there. Story. It's based on um on suspects from Nas right. when it was written, um, which I thought was pretty cool. But um, let's see. Standouts on here. Let's get to that. So for me, suspects. Daily routine, 
Snakes, Penny Royal, and Survival Tactics. What about you? Um, so for me, Survival Tactics, Hard Knock, Suspect, and Daily Routine them stand out. Okay. Um, you want to get to ratings? Yeah. Okay. Kick it off. Okay. Um, I give it a four out of five waffles. Um, there's not too much. Like the only the the only flaw is like it's not his fault. Like he's 17 years old. It's just that like there was certain like there's certain when he talks about the topic of women. Like I don't care to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't experienced that much life yet. But it was just impressive to hear such a, a young person like uh come out the gate. And like rapping like and, this, and like rapping like this, and deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I just give I give this mixtape four five waffles. Like it, it's not it's not too much wrong with it. Like I said, it's just like you know, like lack of experience. Yeah, um, and I'd agree with you there. I could give it a four. Originally, I tied it to a four and a half, but I'm I'm good with giving it a four. Um, listening to it is a great experience, right? It's it's cool to listen to somebody that doesn't really part didn't really partake in the 90s like how he rapped about so passionately but can rap in such detail and with passion you know and and like pull from beats that are specifically from the 90s like pulling from beats from doom and dilla and and lord finesse to like make this album mm-hmm. it's like the boom bat version of nostalgia ultra wow. like it, it's like in a sense because He's revisiting all these classic tunes, you know, and putting his own feel on it. But also it's like an updated version because he's still his own artist. Like, you know, he's just revisiting it and putting his own spin on it. I think, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I just, I just hope that, cause you know, I know we're talking about this project, but like, you know, we've got other projects from him, you know, now. And I just hope that um, he finds his like footing. I I know that like he had well the project he was supposed to put out before the pandemic, like Puff like had like a lot of input. Oh um the well he did put out the album, but um he's talking about two thousand. Yeah, and then do and then yeah, but two thousand was good. Two thousand like was it. good. You didn't like it? I like two thousand. Like I I'm just trying to like, cause you know. Joey doesn't really like let us in like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Joey's like really in the cause. No, I didn't know that. Like, there's a lot. Of, he has like a lot of interest. He don't really let us. Yeah, in. he's very like secretive, mm-hmm. like, private, and like his interviews. Like, it seems like people like the the interviews are like mesmerized by him, men and women. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's like it seems like he just like they they respect him so much they don't want to ask so many evasive questions. He just be chilling. Yeah, yeah. He just it's just I don't know. I just feel like I don't know enough about Joey Badass. I watch a lot of interviews about him, and it's like. They really just keep it to the music with that man. Yeah. They really don't bother him that much. He has a really nice tribute to Steve's on 2000. It's really, really nice. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And, and you know, he's dealt with a lot of, like, death because of even his cousin that became his manager mm-hmm. died after Steve's. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I know he's dealt with, like, a lot of loss and everything like that. The fact that, like, he's just still, he's still going. He's still, and he's still, and he's still young, man. He's still so yo, young. I think he just turned 30, right? Yeah. Super young. Um... But we say all that to say, if you've been seeing Joey Badass on Power or all the little like side projects that he's been doing, not to not to diminish them, he actually got his start with this with this uh, debut, 1999. And I would say, as well as Tori, and I would say would um would say to, would recommend this. You know, if you're trying to get into Joey Badass, this is where to start, and kind of re- literally you could just lead your way up to like where his catalog is now. Cause it's a great starting point for where he is as an MC. Um, 
I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Tori MB. We're out of here. Catch you guys next time. I'm done.